And a super tight race at the top, I'll tell you what. Boy, this is this was hanging chads and everything else. It's a slasher film, and it's a callback to really one of the great, if not the all-time best slasher movies. Now, as soon as I saw the trailer, I'm like, man, you're in my hands. <laughs> Get out! So right here, what should they be singing to themselves? Simply the best. As always. Tina Turner. That's was that, right. Was that our year-end song? Uh, it was the one. It was the um, Karate Kid no, one. No, no. That was our half year. That's our half year. Because Jason we Tostavin. would Because we, we all would go, jump. Yeah. So far. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Well, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> you know, the lawyers and stuff. But just, just think about that. It's in your head right now. Tina Turner. Simply the best because these are the 10 best horror movies of the year 2018. We'll talk about a lot more than just 10. A lot of movies to talk about. Yeah, some disappointments and some, you know, that flew so, under the radar. And, right, yeah. right. So welcome. This is the Fright Club podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. We're from madwolf.com. Glad you've joined us for a little rundown of the uh, best of the year. And, of course, a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about, was it Vogue? The Vogue article. Because mm-hmm. I was just about to say, what do you think about the year in horror? But we kind of covered that here recently because yeah. of that ridiculous article. I think both of us feel it's a pretty solid year. Yeah, I mean, it's no 2017, but you're not going to get that. You're exactly. not going to get it and uh, get out. Get out. Yeah. And, you know, arguably The Shape of Water certainly was a monster movie and it won Best Picture. You're not going to see another year like that for a while. Right, because I remember it was this time last year we had Chris Hamill from the Gateway Film right. Center, and he said, he remember, he called it. Yeah. He called it he Shape did. of Water. He said Shape of Water was going to win. I personally don't really, don't view that as a horror movie, but I can understand right. how no, some people absolutely. do. So yeah. that's totally fine. So you're right. We're not going to get to 2017 every year. 2018 was a fine year. Yes, it I was. think a fine, fine year. We're going to talk about that. And a super tight race at the top, I'll tell Ooh, you what. Oh, boy. Hanging chads and everything else. This was right down to it the was, wire. Yeah. It was, but uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, Fright Club Live, we've got the first one of 2019 coming up. Hard to believe we're talking about 2019, but we are, and you've got the whole year all carved out. So, what are we, what are we looking at for January? We are going to kick it off with a big one, Time Crimes. Oh, nice. Such a weird movie. It really is. It's and a I'm, great one. I'm guessing, I'm hoping, a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah, it um, could be. Especially on the, well, we haven't seen it on the big screen. Right? I remember watching it uh, at home, I think, pretty much. But I think any- you're right. I okay. think you're right. But anyway, if you haven't seen it on the big screen, if you haven't seen it, it's It's weird in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Um, it's a great It's a great one. It's a great one. And the podcast is going to be on sci-fi horror crossovers. Great. So that should be fun. Uh, also coming up, we've got our annual, we always love this. This has become a little tradition here, yeah. the Skeletons in the Closet podcast, because... That is where, once we get the nominations for the Academy Awards, we dig into their past. That's right. And it is a fun one that we do every year. And this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to get Corey Metcalf, our uh, senior Aussie correspondent. He was supposed to join us last year, but because he is the man from the future. I mean, it's tough to schedule. It He's is. like They're like 26 hours ahead of us. Yeah, that's so tough. So it's, it's tough. And again, I'm going to try to press him on the lotto numbers <laughs> since he lives in the future. But uh, So we'll get those when the Oscar nom- nominations come out. So big fun coming up, and uh, we want to get to it we've got the 10 best of the year 2018 should we jump right in let's do it let's do it at number 10 a group of college friends reunite for a trip to the forest but encounter a menacing presence in the woods that's stalking them it's the ritual no one didn't hear anything come on what the fuck is that fucking hell we don't know where we are (laughs) 
I remember saying at the time when this came out, for everybody that hated It Comes at Night because there was nothing in the woods, here you go. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It was a fun monster movie, right? But that's not really all it was. I mean, it was a really great look at, yeah. at cowardice, you know, and... Uh, Masculinity. Yes, yeah. You know, it started off, and there were so many flashbacks to uh, a crime with five guys who every year they take a vacation together, and this one year they're out having some drinks, deciding what this vacation is going to be, and, uh, you know, tragedy strikes. Yeah. And so they end up taking the vacation in, in memoriam. Mm-hmm. Very similar to The Descent. And we Very. talked about that. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a masculine, uh, you know, other end of the spectrum uh, to the descent. But, uh, yeah, they end up in uh, in a world of hurt. And the monster is cool. So cool. It is cool. I mean, it's so cool. And that's, yeah. you know, in any kind of a monster movie, that's the toughest thing is to give you something unique and interesting and believable. I mean, th- th- that was one of the best things about the descent. Was uh, yeah, they, they were, were scary. so scary, they and so scary. and this one is. I mean, it's scary, but it's also weird. And it's not just a monster movie, and it's not just sort of a cabin in the woods kind of a horror movie. It's also got. The, I love a zealot. I love oh, a good yeah. creepy zealot. Oh, especially once they get in the cabin mm-hmm. there. Before, yeah, I love that scene. Love that scene. Director is David Bruckner. Uh, he did Southbound. He also did in the VHS uh, series uh, the anthology. The best he one. did Amateur Night. Yeah, the best yeah. one. Yeah, certainly one of the best ones. And it stars Rafe Spall, who you might have seen for some other some other movies. He was in um, what's the one with the tiger on the boat? Life of Pi. Life of Pi. Yeah, I did <laughs> not like him in that. Why did I didn't either? Why didn't they just call it the tiger on the boat? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't imagine why because that's not a great title at all. Uh, but yeah, we enjoyed the ritual. And if you want something in the woods. This is this is the one to go to, enjoyable, and that is number 10 on our best of 2018. Moving up to number 9, a young woman is involuntarily committed uh, to a mental institution where she is confronted by her greatest fear, but is it real or a product of her delusion? It's insane. You should be protecting me. Mom, no one believes me. I'm getting you out. There's nothing we can do unless you have proof that a crime's been committed. You need to get out of here right But Claire Foy is the it girl, isn't she? She is, yeah. I mean, she's everywhere right now. And um, this is the one that we talked about just, just totally freaked my head you, out. Yeah, because you wouldn't go. I've got that, I've got that <laughs> fear. That's why I stopped there just reading. <laughs> now, as soon as I saw the trailer, I'm like, man, you're in my head. Get out. <laughs> but, yeah, this is Steven Soderbergh. And uh, he crafted a really just straight genre flick. You yeah. know, just, all, and just uh, pulling out all the stops. And uh, really effective. Yeah. And and one of the things that I like about Claire Foy in this movie, and honestly in almost everything I've seen her in, she's she's not afraid to be unlikable. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. This character is hard to like. Uh, and then the other thing I really liked about this film was that the villain, or is he really, or is he a figment of her imagination, Josh Leonard. Josh from, from the Blair, Blair Witch, Witch Project. Yeah. yeah, even though he lost his tongue, he's, <laughs> he's back talking. Oh, was that a spoiler? <laughs> I'm sorry, come on. And also Jay Farrow from uh, from uh, Saturday Night Live. Who does Live. a great job. Yeah. He yeah. does. He does a very nice job in what is not a comic role. No. And, of course, uh, much was made out of Soderbergh using iPhones yeah. to film it. And you and know we've what? we talked about yeah, that. But, but the thing is, wh- the, the effect that he created with whatever gimmickry he used was was uh, sort of hypersaturated and unpleasant in a way that really benef- benefited a film about being unable to get out of a sterile, unpleasant environment. I mean, yeah. it really worked well, I and, thought. And I think Steven Soderbergh 
time and again has has shown that he is willing to step out not only in how he films the movie, but how he markets it. Sure. What kind of uh, platforms he puts it on. He's been out there, I think, oh, on, yeah. on on the cutting edge or trying to be uh, on the cutting edge of expanding the the, the possibilities and, and breaking down some limits. So I you know I have certainly no problem with that. I know when you say, oh, shot on an iPhone. Well, maybe and maybe not. But you know he's he's out there and he's trying to push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just yeah, I just think this is a very effective genre picture. Yeah. And if you have those types of fears as I do, man, it'll get right to you. <laughs> And that is uh, number nine, Unsane, on the best of 2018. At number eight is a crazy horror comedy. And those are always good. A teenage girl and her little brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origin causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. Mom and Dad. Multiple reports are now coming in of parents murdering their own children. Listen to me. We have to get out of the house before Mom and Dad come home. It's the first of two Nicolas Cage movies that what? are going to make this list. What? Spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a good year. He did have a good year. And this was, well, you said it at the time that you loved how it just upended conventions yeah. here and placed two very contrasting uh, characters uh, against each other in in Mom and Dad. Not only the mom and the dad, and not only Nicolas Cage, who was just as Nicolas Cage is, wild and crazy. But then you've got Selma Blair, who's like, let's stay on topic. Exactly. They were (laughs) such a great married couple, especially because what she's trying to rein him in and focus on is murdering their children, which was just, I mean, it's a very dark and subversive concept. It is, yeah. It's just executed so brilliantly in this movie. And there are a lot of movies, a lot of horror movies, that are kind of based on the concept of, like, God, sometimes I just want to kill these kids. You know? I mean, tons and tons. And then others, like, say, The Babadook, right. take, it, take the guilt you feel mm-hmm. in not maybe loving your kids yeah. all the time. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a, a good area to mine because almost everyone can relate. Yeah, and but then, you don't want to. You want to pretend you don't. Right. Uh, but here they're just having a, just balls out fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. And there and there are some fun surprises where, you know, the they're, they're so focused on the task at hand that they're not really paying attention to some things they should be really uh-huh. thinking through. I mean, yeah. it's just, and it's a bloody mess of a movie, and it's just thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, it's uh, the writer director is Brian Taylor, who did the Crank series. Yeah. With Jason Statham. And I Dwight think, Yoakam. Yeah, I was going to say, our buddy Dwight Yoakam. That's right. Uh, is in that movie as well. And this one is certainly different from, I mean, the Crank, that was, you know, all action and frenetic, and let's, you know, let's put the, the pedal to the metal. But this one just has, I think you said the word, subversive streak oh, about it. I which mean, the is thing just that like, it reminded oh. me a little bit of is a movie from the year before called Cooties, which is fun. And uh, and it's, a, like, I think just a fantasy for teachers who would really kind of like the opportunity to kill all their kids in their class. <laughs> and this is uh, taking it a, a step farther. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it's just... It's full of energy. It's very darkly funny. And here's here's the thing. There's an opening sequence, as there usually is in a horror film. If you don't like it, the opening sequence, don't watch the movie. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's a good indicator. And it always reminds me of that's how I sum up the opening scene of Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah, you know, with the army man yes, out absolutely. the uh, out the window of the bus. If you don't think that's funny, then get out right now. <laughs> you know, of course, we were on the floor just laughing. I thought it was the funniest thing because I know. You know, that movie, Napoleon, is is just not everybody's Dynamite, co- comedic yeah. bag. And that was a good indicator yes, of whether or not exactly. it's going to be. Yeah. Same way with this movie. Yeah. If you're if you're not in... If you don't care for that opening shot, if then, you're not like, oh, yeah, 
Don't watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> but um, if you are going to, then come sit next to us because <laughs> it is on our top ten. Number eight of 2018, Mom and Dad. Taking it up to number seven. This was just from a few months ago because this was not on the half of the year list. It was just last this, month. This is a newbie. Mm-hmm. This is a newbie jumping in there, and uh, it jumps in pretty well. It's a small group of American soldiers finding horror behind enemy lines on the eve of D-Day. Overlord. What do you do with those people? They have been given a purpose. So we've said many times about... um, Seven, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> Here's more like, what's in the basement? What's in the basement? What's going on down there? You know, this is a movie, it starts off as a very well-packaged war film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and it introduces you to all of those same sort of cliches that you're used to in a, in a war film. You've got kind of a hayseed, and you've got the one who just can't wait to get home to his girlfriend. And you've got, you know, the one who's traumatized and just, you know, balls out. And, you, you know, and... and, and and, and it just does such a good job of developing those characters. Yeah. Uh, and no, knowing that it has something in store for you. Yeah. You know, I it, love that. Yeah. Because it, it, you know, it changes on a dime into a uh, really a mad scientist, basically Nazi zombie film. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and it's funny because um, it also really skirts. A lot of superhero movies, because there are a lot of superhero movies, especially in the Captain America franchise, mm-hmm. you know, where it is. It's it's Nazis. Well, Wonder Woman had them, too. It's Nazis, and they're experimenting because Nazis experimented. Mm-hmm. And so this just takes that to on its uh, to its its clear, obvious horror film sort of next level. Sure. And this is director Julius Avery. I don't think known for anything. No, he had done a lot of shorts. Yeah. And one of the things that's great about this movie, uh, Pilu. Azbeck. Yeah, we I love think. him. Yeah, love him. And, and he, he plays the, you know, the main Nazi, the main baddie. Well, he's got a presence. Yeah, he you does. You know, whatever, whatever type of movie he's, he's doing. Uh, he was a Scarlett Johansson sidekick in uh, her ill-fated remake, the anime movie. Um, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and I, I mentioned before, he's just fantastic in a foreign film called The War. Right. Or uh, A War. I'm a sorry. War, a War, right. if you looked that up. But he just, he strikes a presence. Yes, he can He, he can play does. down, uh, you know, more sympathetic, or he can play menacing. You know, he's got that face. Yeah, and here he's menacing. Yeah. And as I said, uh, when we talked about it the last time, uh, he, he comes off as sort of a handsome Michael Shannon. And Michael Shannon is just a terrifying presence, handsome or not. <laughs> so he, he does a great job. I mean, he's a great, really, really relishes the opportunity to be evil in this. And then the, the supporting cast is wonderful, including uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. And then the lead, uh, Jovan Adepo, who plays that, you know, the one who's uncorrupted so far. Yeah. And, it, you know, it just talks about, I mean, that's really what the theme is, is is not letting war corrupt you. And also always remembering that Nazis are never good people. And, you know, yeah, and anytime you can find a fresh approach to the zombie lore, yeah. you know, you, 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 you tip your hat because mm-hmm. it's it's such a, a well-worn, uh, you know, horror staple that if you can find a little niche, yeah. you know, it's just, it's it's all the more, it feels, it, it, it feels fresh and you get... Sometimes you get that much more credit because, like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we found a different angle to get in there. And in fact, they find such a different angle that I read several places. People would just say, "This is not a Nazi zombie movie." Um, 
Kind no, of, it really is. Kind of Those is. are cadavers <laughs> that they bring into that basement. Uh, no, the, when you bring a cadaver back, guess what they are? So that is Overlord clucking in at number seven in our best horror of 2018. Up to number six, this was on the happier list, I was. believe. Uh, so it stays in the top of our minds. Never take your mistress on an annual guy's getaway. How many times have I... Stop uh, it. Especially one devoted to hunting. A violent lesson for three wealthy married men. It's revenge. Women always have to put up a fight. In addition to being extremely bloody... Oh, so bloody. Uh, this is... It's just so visually striking. Oh, it really I is. I think it, it goes at one point, probably the better part of a half an hour, without any dialogue whatsoever. Oh, yeah. But some of the visuals are fantastic. And the visuals that are not only, you know, arresting to, to look at, but that move the story along. Absolutely, you know, yeah. visual storytelling. And it's uh, directly... Corley Yeah, there you go. Nice. I would have butchered that, so <laughs> glad you picked up there. Yeah, um, and it's a. It starts as being your your basic rape revenge movie, mm-hmm. but um, you know a, a woman director is always going to bring a different eye to that, and she does, and she flips it in such a great way. Yeah, she really does. Uh, there, are, uh, it, early in the film, the the lead uh, who has a million names, uh, Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz, who's a beautiful, beautiful woman. And she is filmed, you know, she's ogled by the camera uh, intentionally. Might as well be Lolita. It, yeah. Intentionally. Absolutely. Sure. And, 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 and then it's funny because then as the camera kind of continues to swirl around this well-appointed getaway cottage, everything, everything is ogled by this camera, you know, and, and it's just so fascinating as the movie progresses, the way Farjeet uh, calls back to earlier images and yeah. earlier shots as things change. The ground shifts underneath these people's feet. And as you said, it is bloody. Oh, it is so my. bloody. It is so violent. It is, in a very weird way, fun. Yeah, especially the, the, the final third. I mean, when they get back to the house there. Oh, my God, that, so much blood. For that final battle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might as well be waxing the floors with it. <laughs> Uh, but it's again, it's so great because the colors of the furniture and the walls, and the painting, and the way that she uses the oh, yeah, splattered absolutely. blood, yeah, fantastic. So uh, it's a uh, rape revenge with a nice, a nice different twist yeah, to it. Yeah, uh, and that is revenge coming in at number six on our list. So before we get to the top five, the cream of the crop, let's talk about some others, some ones that we enjoyed, didn't quite make the list, some that were some nice surprises, and then some disappointments as well. So. What were the ones that were that we really enjoyed but didn't quite make the top ten? There's a few. Yeah, there is. The one that just just didn't make it is The Endless. Um, but then there are a couple of others. Ghost Stories was a nice uh, anthology mm-hmm. film. I normally am not crazy about those. I liked the way that held together. The Night Eats the World, yeah. which, A, great title. It is. B, uh, the, the Night Eats the World, and also The Dark. Two other slightly more traditional zombie films that just still managed to be really fascinating mm-hmm. in the way they were told. Yep. Apostle, I liked a lot. That went right to Netflix, but that was a pretty good one. And then also, and this is one actually that our friend Jason Tostevin, senior filmmaker correspondent, right. hipped me to. It's called The Ranger. If you get a chance to see it, it's kind of just diabolically funny. Nice. So those are ones we certainly uh, certainly liked, didn't quite make the top ten. And there was a couple this year that we found nice surprises, maybe yeah. because they're, they're sequels, they're into a franchise. 
but uh, still thought that they they were fresh enough. One of those was the first purge. Yeah, I you know I, I just really felt like it should be called the first purge, beating a dead horse. <laughs> but the truth is, like it you know they they found. It was a new filmmaker to the franchise, and he really dug into what's going on at this very second Mm -hmm. to revitalize that franchise. Yeah, I thought so, too. And also, um, Unfriended Dark Web, I thought actually was better than Unfriended. And it's funny, we both liked Unfriended, I think, better than most people did. We thought that it carried that concept out pretty well, Mm -hmm. but this one gets uh, uglier. Yeah. And I thought it did it e- e- even better, and it was a nice surprise because I, yeah, I probably wasn't expecting uh, that much, but uh, yeah, I thought they, I thought they upped the ante in important ways, kept it current. They kept the integrity of the device, you know, yeah. s- still pretty solid, and uh, it was one of those with, with two endings at the time when you had it in the theaters. You know, you could see one of two different endings. Of course, now you can see both of them uh, anytime you want to. But, um, you know, they're each interesting in their own way. But, yeah, I thought that was a nice surprise. The disappointments, you know, is one people might be wondering if it's going to make the list. The the house that Jack built was. And it's not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. We just were disappointed. We were disappointed. And and I think you talked about when we... Uh, when we uh, had a good conversation about this on our other podcast, The Screening Room, mm-hmm. where we just talk about all, New releases. The, all the movies that are out, regardless of genre, uh, straight-up horror fans, I think, are going to be a little bit let down because it doesn't deliver what you think it might deliver. Yeah, well, I think that, uh, you know, as horror fans and as Ventrier fans, we went into this thinking we were going to be holding on to our seats. It was going to be punishing. Mm-hmm. And I think if you watch a lot of horror films, I mean, there are some really great sequences and there are some pretty bloody and dis- disturbing sequences, but as a whole, it's nothing it doesn't push the envelope in the way that I think he seems to think he did. But what's more problematic for me is that those episodes are strung together with such a tedious, heavy-handed discussion about art. Yeah, and also we kind of have to reserve judgment a little bit because we saw the director's cut. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're going to take out right. uh, in the regular cut. Um, yeah, because there's one sequence that we think is going to be affected uh, and and least altered in the regular cut that we, we thought was the highlight of the movie. But see, I don't think that they're going to alter that. that you would, really don't? No, I think that would be the dumbest thing they could do because that... I'm not saying it wouldn't be the, dumb. Which is the picnic sequence. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it wouldn't no, be dumb. No, I would be shocked if okay. they do. I think that they'll... I think if they're smart, I think they'll cut a lot of the, the epilogue because yeah. it's just so tedious. Well, we'll see. So tedious. But no, I think that... And, and you know, if... The as we said in the other podcast, the picnic sequence. Mm-hmm. If that had just been a short, I mean, that's a perfect, perfect piece of horror cinema. Yeah, but I think um, you know, straight up horror fans are like, like you said, probably be uh, let down a little bit by the house that Jack built. Hellfest was just oh god awful. Yeah, uh, and, and I was hoping it wouldn't be. Yeah, and it just, I like the the the, the concept, yeah. and I like the way they recreated these um, horror attractions. Yeah. They were cool. Yeah, but oh boy, what a what a just waste. a disappointment. Now one that we actually didn't love but liked better than most the nun uh, we've mentioned i think on here before how just the the vitriol for that movie came out this year and we didn't think it was that bad no i mean we were disappointed right we were hoping for more but, on the other hand yeah it was you know it's a time it's a fun time waster i thought it was a fun time waster i thought it, the, the exteriors looked great the interiors were campy fun like hammer horror throwback mm-hmm. uh let's run off three that were just just terrible winchester uh, Slender Man and Insidious, The Last Key. Blech. 
not good at all. No. Uh, the Strangers Pray at Night. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't it, terrible. No, it's just, it, it's to follow up a movie as great as The Strangers. Yeah. And one of the things The Strangers did so well was it really embraced the 70s aesthetic. So I think for the sequel, they tried to really embrace the 80s aesthetic, but it just felt like a retread. Aside from one good kill sequence by a pool, the rest of it was just bland. Yeah. Uh, and The Devil's Doorway was a, a disappointment this year as well. Yeah, it's a, a British film. It's, it's funny because if you've seen The Nun, you've basically seen The Devil's Doorway. <laughs> All right, so let's move it on up to the top five for 2018 at number five, one that everybody was looking so much forward to this year, and it delivered Halloween 2018. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. This was from director David Gordon Green taking over the franchise, as we said at the time. Probably the best thing that he did was just ignore all the other sequels and pick it up with the story right where it left off, except so many years later. I thought that was the smartest thing they could have done. And and there are a lot of people who are, you know, purists who did not think that that was the best thing that they could have done. But I I am with you. And, and, And honestly, the, you know, the mythology diverts at some point along the line, no matter who you are. So, yes, why not just start fresh? And it's such a great way that they developed the story is these two have been separated now for 40 years and basically they've each been obsessing on the other for 40 years yeah yeah and it you know it it, it's not great all the way through but i'll tell you what that finale oh yeah i thought really delivered the goods i mean i started to wander a little bit but but when it got to it i thought it really delivered the goods and found a way to add a little fresh wrinkle i mean you got that confrontation that you wanted and um and they have it a great, just a callback to the first movie. Yes, they do. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, you'll know it when you do see it. It's just pic- picture perfect. And then when they finally wrap it up, I thought it was a, just a, a great way to honor the Laurie character, mm-hmm. but yet add something else to it and acknowledge that so much time has passed. Um, and, and then I think really deepen her character. Yeah. Uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis does a great job oh, with it. She does. You know, she brings so she much gravitas to it after all this time. And uh, yeah, I thought it was just really solid. Very fun. It's a slasher film, and it's a callback to really one of the great, if not the all time best slasher movies. And, and it's been, you know, done to death, to death, to death. And so to be able to find a very reasonable and yet fresh and believable, but scary and fun. I mean, I just, I mean, everything about it. I mean, it did have some weaknesses. It had a couple of characters that weren't very good. It had a couple of no one cared what happened to the dad moments. (laughs) But on the whole, I mean, it did. It really delivered. It delivered. Delivered the goods. Number five, Halloween from 2018. Moving up to number four. This was on our half-year list, and it's good enough to uh, stay near the top. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing, it's a quiet place. If they hear you, they hunt you. Who are we? If we can't protect them, we have to protect them. And we've had a lot of fun with this one over the months since it came out. We actually ended up writing a blog on our, our website, madwolf.com, where we had Mad Wolf Court. That's and right. just because, you know, we'd heard so many people that didn't dig it and brought out certain things where they thought it didn't make sense, and uh, we just don't buy that at all. No, so we, we had don't. Fun. We had fun kind of rebutting that. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was, again, very fun. 
Uh, very well done, very tense, a monster movie, gives you the monsters at the end, gives you a crowd-pleasing end, and um, I just thought it was just a really incredible debut directing ever effort from John Krasinski. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. And, and you know, lucky for him, uh, Emily Blunt isn't hard for him to cast because she's, <laughs> as is always the case, she's magnificent she in is. this movie. She is so good. I really also thought that the family dynamic was very interesting. Uh, I did, too. I liked that he, uh, Krasinski's own character, I mean, I talked to a lot of people who hated him. Because because of yeah, this conflict yeah. that he had within the family. But, I mean, it's that, hard to work okay. through conflict if you can't ever talk to each other. <laughs> and you can have unlikable characters. Yes, you I were love talk- an unlikable character. You were talking about that a little mm-hmm. bit earlier for, uh, I think it was Unsane mm-hmm. you were talking about. Yeah, that doesn't mean that it, it, it sinks the, the movie no. or, or makes the, the family dynamic, you know, illogical. No. I mean, think about what the the situation they were in. And as I, I think we, we brought this up in that, in that kind of fun blog that we had. I mean... Uh, do you absolutely know how you're going to react when the giant ear monsters come? Because right. uh, I don't think you do. No. And this is one great take on it that I thought, yeah, just had, it was so tense. And because of the premise, you know, you could feel everyone in the theater, you know, don't crunch that bag of chips. Yeah. Don't do it. That's right. Because it's a quiet <laughs> movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And we just had a lot of fun with it. And uh, that is number four for the year 2018. At number three, one that has become, I think, a cult classic already just in the months that it's been out. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen, propelling a man into a spiraling, surreal rampage of vengeance. And who else could that man be but Nicolas Cage in Mandy? So what you going to do with that man? We're going hunting. So what you hunting? Crazy evil. There was so much buzz from horror fans about this movie, and uh, I think it it fulfilled pretty much all of them. I don't, I haven't talked to hardly anyone, if anyone, who didn't like it. Oh no, I agree with you. It's it's just a heavy metal freak show uh, from beginning oh. to end. Everything about it, uh, you know, the just the aesthetic, and certainly the way that it picks up speed, and the way that it turns, yes, yeah, surreal and bloody and oh. nuts. And as you've said many times, it's the one movie that out nutties. Nicholas Cage at his nuttiest. Yeah, it's like this hallucinogenic fever dream, and uh, yeah, it does. It, it out-crazies uh, Nicholas Cage, and it is a writer-director. Penos Cosmatos. Thank you. You you are the head of the production of the pronunciation department. <laughs> Beyond the Black Rainbow is is his other film, which is set in the same year and is also very 80s, but in the opposite direction. It's very sterile. It's very white. Uh, it's kind of got a little bit of a Cronenberg kind of feel about it. And it's just so interesting to see him make another movie set at the exact same time and have everything about it be different. And it's such a commitment to vision. Yeah. I mean, it never wavers in the vision he has for this movie, and it keeps it all the way to the very end when if you, you, you have to stay through the credits because there's a little bit at the end, we talked about this before, that really, if you're a little confused, goes a long way toward tipping its hand to what you've been watching. It has a lot to do with the Mandy character and the, you know, and the, the drawings and the books and things like that, but that you get so many great sequences, oh, just one after the other, and these hippie freak cults, and then, yeah, those demon biker people, and, you know, the the uh, 
weapon that it's not a sword that big thing that he crafts that Nicholas Cage <laughs> he crafts his own weapon yeah. and then that one scene with Bill Duke out of nowhere <laughs> you're like this just just keeps coming at you in waves of of just a surreal craziness you know I also want to just throw a word out for Linus Roach who plays the the leader of the hippie cult because yeah. he's he's great too yeah. yeah he is and uh we were talking well I wasn't talking I saw a comment by uh fright clubber um Jenny Jenny Rea from California. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. thought it was great because when she finally got to watch it, it was her and her husband and a bunch of his friends, and they were surprised by the Wang appearance. Oh. <laughs> and she thought she thought that was great because normally horror moves its boobs of oh, uh, yeah. plenty, but hey, looky there! That's right. So, uh, one for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we love it, love it so much. And if you haven't seen it, you must do that right now. Well, not right now. Wait till the podcast is over. But then you must see it. That is number three of the year, and that is Mandy. So we're up to the top two, and boy, this has gone back and forth and forth and back since we started talking about these and trying to compile it. And, you know, I think for me, and you're probably the same way, just what day is it? You know, which one are we going to put on top? But at this moment in time when we're recording this, number two for 2018 is going to be the glorious update of Suspiria. Dangerous people. I'm making some kind of deal with them. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. This race was so tight that we we took a poll. Not that I ever actually listened to what other people say, but what we took a poll at our at our Mad Wolf Pack holiday party just to see. And it's funny because we had a couple of people who were angrily in favor of Suspiria at number one. And then we had more measured folks on the other side of the kitchen who were explaining to me why the movie that wound up being a number one, they believe that was the best choice for number one. But these movies, uh, number two and number one, they they are hard not to love if you are a horror fan. Yeah, this one is so great. It adds so, so much depth to the original Suspiria. Basically, it just keeps the... The bones. It keeps the skeleton of the story and then just adds te- textures and layers. And it adds a glorious finale Holy that just cow. pulls out the stops. And the performances, the tilde. The tilde. Of course, the tilde. Everything in- about her in this movie, her hair, her long hair, those long, long dresses with the long sleeves. I mean, yeah. she's, oh, my, she's glorious. Eating that chicken wing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Tilda Swinton yeah. so much. And, uh, and of course, Dakota Johnson in the lead role now. And you've got a cast. It's a great ensemble. And it, what would you call this? You know, we've, we've done a um, list of feminist horror. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so uh, filtered through women and birth mm-hmm. motherhood mm-hmm. rebirth all those themes you know you've taken all the the any men out of the dance troupe mm-hmm. i mean it's so women heavy in a great way yeah it, it really is it's funny what what really struck me was how often i have seen a film where if there is a female character she's a throwaway and maybe even uh, the butt of a joke and that's that's it and that was the opposite in this film if there in the in the rare instance that there is a male character number one he may be played by a woman and if he's not <laughs> yeah. 
then um, he's a naked fat cop and somebody is using a pencil to make his, his wiener do a little dance. It's you know, just, it's, he, They get toyed with. They're yeah, just toyed with. They're, yeah. they're inconsequential. You're right. And, right. and I don't know if that's necessarily a feminist concept or not a feminist concept. It's just it was refreshing to see a whole movie where the only characters that mattered at all were female. And pronounce the right. And they weren't all dancing around uh, singing Motown with a wooden spoon to their mouth. Uh, they weren't. But. Be- but some were doing some very grotesque dancing and oh, yeah. contorting in oh, my real... God. Oh, that scene. Whew. Yeah. Uh, loved it. Just one of many. And pronounced the writer-director. Luca Guadagnino. Nice. And he just did uh, Call Me By Your Name yes. uh, last year, which was great. And in much the same way that movie was bathed in, in romance, mm-hmm. this one is just bathed in a gothic nightmare yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's just, just a tone. Dread. Oh. Everything about it is just dread. And and um, Dakota me- Johnson, the way that her character doesn't really turn. It doesn't really turn. She surprises you, but she's been that the whole time. I loved that performance. It was great. And I love that because the first thing everybody talks about with the original Suspiria, the color scheme. Yes. This one intentionally muted. Right. Absolutely. All, you know, all these these muted colors and then, uh, you know, like, well, where's the blood? And then the blood comes. Oh, my. Woo! <laughs> so, uh, just, and I just, I, I just keep going back to it. I love how he brought so much more depth to the story. Mm-hmm. And I, for me, it just made it, it, it feel, it just was so much more meaningful what everything was going through. And, and didn't add any, didn't, didn't, um, have any mystery this time about what was going on in the dance troupe. They were right out there with mm-hmm. it. You know, this is what's happening, uh, which I liked as well. So many things. And it's it's one that I want to, when we have the time, see again. Yeah. I really do. And that is number two for 2018, Suspiria. And there is only room for one at the top, just by an eyelash. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets hereditary. Mom? I don't like this. Dad, I don't like this. What's happening? Tina! Don't you ever raise your voice to me! I am your mother! Raise your hand! Mom, what's happening? Make it stop! Make it stop! Feature film debut from writer-director Ari Aster. That is crazy. Wow. It's just crazy. Um, it's it's so accomplished and so confident. And again, there's a depth to it that I loved because uh, it's something we talked about the couple of times that we've talked about this movie on uh, on the podcast is that it works when you follow the narrative of the movie literally, mm-hmm. and it works when you don't. Mm-hmm. It works when you just take it as one big metaphor. Yeah. It works... Either way, uh, I love what his camera does uh, with the the miniatures. In oh the my house. god! I, I I love that uh, jump scare about a third of the way in. That, Talk about don't not, tell me you saw coming. You not you, not. George. I know. Yeah, no way you saw that coming. And that just resets the whole dynamic. It does. Holy it crap! It does. Yeah, we're gonna defend Tony Collette's performance, and I know, and and Jason Tostevin, who was on the. Um, Half, half, a year. half your list. He was one who thought that she overacted. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see that at all. I thought I think it's a glorious performance um, that I hope gets some consideration awards time because I think it deserves it. Yeah, she has been nominated for an Independent Spirit Award, so that's good to see. As the film has been for Best First Feature, and but I agree with you. I mean, I I really thought, and I mean, she is never anything short of glorious. Yeah, and but but this this movie was just so. She owned it. Yeah, she... You know, and, and she had some great supporting work around. Aunt oh. Dowd is great. Um, 
Millie Shapiro. <laughs> she's she's great. Yeah, and Gabriel Byrne yeah. as a husband. There's he he represents a totally different you know dynamic of what's going on because he's always just he's always just on the outside looking in, and then when he gets his there, so that's that's a shocking, very visually uh, you know stimulating scene of what comes when he gets his uh, comeuppance. I guess if yeah. you call it comeuppance. But I think that his his point of view. Um, although they don't dig into it, but his point of view is an incredibly important it element. Is, it is element to the: is this happening? Is this not happening? Mm-hmm. Is this a metaphor? Is this reality? Uh, which uh, you know, I don't think people I maybe appreciated as much as I did. Um, yes, he's about seventy-five years too old to be married <laughs> to Tony Collette. <laughs> but it was an important character, is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the ensemble is great, and it's got. Oh, we don't want to Alex Wolf, oh, uh, who yes. played the son, who was also absolutely magnificent. Yeah, yeah. And it's got it's you know individual sequences that are incredibly striking, but yet I don't think they're striking just for their own sake. No. They're very important. They're very um, intentionally tied to what is going on, mm-hmm. and it leads you to this conclusion that I thought was great yeah. and creepy. Yes, the whole thing. Extremely creepy, and it works on a, a horror level, and it works on the dynamic of just thinking about the dysfunction that can be passed down from family to family, mm-hmm. from family members. I think it works both ways. Yeah, incredibly accomplished debut. Hard to believe the debut for uh, Ari Aster. Definitely looking forward to what he's got next. Yes. But, uh, that is the top for us, number one of 2018, Hereditary. I know some people going to be... Disagreeing, so yes. uh, we'd love to hear from you. Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. We're at Fright Club Pod. You can always find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus, and then the main uh, website is MadWolf.com. That's M A D D W O L F dot com. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been, as we said at the top, it's been a good, solid year for horror. Yeah, it has been. It has been. So uh, take that, Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> And by the way, if you like the podcast, we appreciate that. We would love to have you drop us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. We much appreciate it. So until we start digging into 2019, we hope to hear from you. And she is Hope Maddie. He's George Bull. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. And a frightful new year. <laughs>